This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and you're listening to the Are They 18 Yet podcast, where I help pediatric therapists become better leaders so they can make a bigger impact with their services. On this show, I'll share up-to-date evidence-based practices, my own experiences, and guest interviews designed to help clinicians and educators feel more confident in the way that they serve their caseloads so they can help school-age kids grow up to be successful, kind, well-adjusted people. there, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 79 of the Are They 18 Yet podcast. In this episode, I am going to introduce the strategy that I call the career micro experiment. This is actually something that I came up with intuitively, and I've recently just specified and started teaching this strategy to pediatric clinicians in my clinical leadership roundtable ongoing event. So what a career micro experiment is, is basically a mini test run to help you explore a career direction. When I was ready to transition from the school systems to the next stage of my career, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. I had a lot of ideas. I wasn't sure what was best for me. So I did some experiments and I explored a lot of different options, which allowed me to create a customized situation that allowed me to work in a way that was good for me, my family, that was aligned with my strengths and how I wanted to use my clinical skills. So I wanted to share some examples of how I used this concept of micro experiments as I was going through my own career transition 
In the following episodes, I am going to be sharing a couple more of these experiments. But what I wanted to do in this episode was just explain the purpose of the micro experiment and then give you a couple examples of how I used this in my practice. So before I get going, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Clinical Leadership Roundtable, which is an ongoing event for clinicians where I teach this concept of the micro experiment. So the Clinical Leadership Roundtable is an interactive three-stage process that I walk you through in order to help you create a customized career path aligned with your strengths and the way that you want to be of service to your field and your community. So in the roundtable, you'll go through a series of exercises designed to help you craft your career path based on how you want to work, not by some predetermined career path that was decided by somebody else. So if you're wondering, you know, what if I don't feel aligned and fulfilled with the typical career path for clinicians? Or what if I know I want to do more for my caseload and for my career, but I'm not sure what I want to do? Or what if I have a million things I want to do and I can't prioritize? Well, if you're struggling with any of those questions, then definitely check out the Clinical Leadership Roundtable. You will get the clarity you need to create an action plan that will move you in the right direction in the Clinical Leadership Roundtable. To sign up for the event, all you need to do is go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash leadership roundtable. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash leadership roundtable. So now let's get into the discussion about micro experiments. So what is a micro experiment? Well, it's exactly how it sounds. It's a little mini experiment. A lot of times people think they need to make some massive change if they're going to make a career transition. And that just isn't the case. The thing is, is that it can be hard to tell what your options are when you're just looking at the job boards, when you're just looking at what everybody else is doing, and it can also be pretty overwhelming. A lot of times, clinicians do not want to take a huge risk, especially if they're in a position where they pretty much like their job, but they're at the same time kind of wondering, is there more I could be doing for the field? Can I serve in a different way? Is there more for me out there? Could I be making a bigger difference? Especially if they're in a position where they like what they're doing, they've kind of learned the ropes, but at the same time, they know that the system that they're working in is placing some constraints on them that do impact the way that they're able to provide services. So if that's the case, if you're in that limbo where you're kind of like, am I settling for a good plan B instead of going after what I really want? This is really something that can be really powerful for a number of reasons. So let me first outline the three reasons why you should do a micro experiment. Number one, the micro experiment enables you to try something out in order to see if you like it. So that seems like kind of an obvious thing, but the thing about career moves. And I know this personally, when I look at what I thought I wanted to do when I was in grad school, the classes that I was interested in, the people that I looked up to, where I envisioned my career going, it is completely different to where I ended up. And in other stages of my career, where I thought I was going to land is not where I ended up going. And so to give you some specifics, when I was in grad school, I you know, was going through the speech pathology graduate school program when I was getting my master's. 
I really was interested in voice disorders and my craniofacial course. I thought for sure I'm going to be medical. I want to specialize in cleft palate and voice, and I for sure want to work in a hospital. And when I actually graduated, I was living in the Chicago area with my parents, but I was engaged to someone who lived in Bloomington Normal, which is a college town that I think at the time there was maybe like a little over 100,000 people in the community. So a decent sized community, but it was not as big as Chicago. So I did not have as many career options where I was going to be moving. So if I would have stayed in the Chicago area to work, I probably could have gone the medical route. My career path could have been totally different. But because I was moving to a community that didn't have quite as many options, it was a little bit harder for me to find a position in a medical facility. And so I got a job in the schools because that was the easiest job to get. One of the reasons that I was not super thrilled about the idea of working in a school was because when I was going through my graduate work, I really didn't enjoy my language disorders courses just because I thought it was really confusing and complicated and it kind of overwhelmed me. The medical stuff seemed a little more straightforward and I liked that. And so when I took the school position, I thought, all right, it's temporary. I'll try this. I'll see where it goes. And really, really the rest is history. I ended up staying in that position for 14 years. And really, that was a huge part of, you know, the first stage of my career. And also, that whole experience really shaped the clinician that I ended up becoming and where I am right now. And it was all because I was willing to lean into an opportunity. And in my case, there was there were a couple of positions open in the schools uh, in the middle of the school year. So honestly, just accepting the first job that I got was kind of my first micro experiment. Sometimes actually accepting a position can be an experiment in itself. Now, once I got that job and I started working and things were a little more stable and I kind of got my feet wet, I started to feel more comfortable in the position, I realized that I wanted to continue my education. And that's where I continued this concept of experimentation to figure out what direction that I wanted to go. Because I realized that once I got into the schools, even though I thought that language was kind of confusing, once I started to get better at it, I actually saw it as a challenge. And that made me want to do it even more. And so that's why I decided to go back and get my doctorate and make language disorders, my area of expertise. So really one of the areas where I thought, nah, this isn't for me, but I was willing to try it and I was willing to take that position, start doing that type of therapy, and I actually enjoyed it. And here's the thing, if you don't have a job and you are looking for positions, obviously the positions that you're offered can be an opportunity to to try whatever setting that is, try whatever that position is. But the mindset becomes a little bit different when you have a position, when you have a stable income, you have insurance, you have you know, your, your pension and all of those things. So the longer that you stay in a position and the more you get comfortable with that community, it can be a little bit different when you're thinking of experimentation because it, when you don't have a position and you're taking a position, you're not leaving somewhere else. But there is this whole perception of, 
risk when you're leaving something that is going well. So my mindset about experimentation changed the longer that I stayed in that school position. So I did go on a couple job interviews when I was initially in that position, but really I stopped interviewing and I shifted my focus to not finding a different position in the schools but rather getting really good at the position that I was already in and thinking, okay, once I want to transition to something different beyond this type of job, what am I going to do? So what I decided to do was stay in the position that I was in because I liked working there. I liked the people I was working with. You know, I had, I had coworkers that I got along with. I had administrators who were supportive and the commute was good. The students were nice. It was, you know, a reasonable schedule. I liked the district I was working in. So there were a lot of good reasons to stay. And there, it got to the point where I felt like it was too risky to be jumping around. So the way that I started experimenting was by trying to find ways within that position to get different types of experiences rather than actually leaving that position. And I know that a lot of people who are in a good situation that they like, even if they're trying to think about the next step, this might be a good option for them rather than jumping from one position to another. So if you're doing contract work, obviously it's a little bit different if you have something like a 13-week contract and it's just a matter of renewing it or not renewing it. Obviously, the mindset is a little bit different. But if you're actually an employee for a district or an organization, the the perceived risk, again, is, is a little bit higher, especially once you've been there for a while. So what I started doing, and I could go into a whole bunch of different types of projects that I did. But basically, I started my doctorate in special ed. And as I was going through my coursework, I had tons of opportunities to do little projects that were similar to things that I would have to do if I were going into higher ed, if I were going to go into some kind of administrative or leadership position, or There were things that I did during that time that actually helped me build the skills that I use now as I run my business. So there were a lot of opportunities just within my graduate coursework that I could do while I was working full-time as an SLP for course projects in my doctoral program. But what I wanted to talk about today, you know, obviously I can talk for many, many episodes about all the different little experiments and projects that I did, but I wanted to talk about one specific one here because it really helps to embrace the whole mindset behind the micro experiment because what you're doing is you, you're you kind of just picking possible directions you could go, going in that direction until you decide yay or nay, is it for me? Sometimes the answer is, hell no, I don't like this. I don't want to do it. Sometimes it's maybe, but not now. And sometimes things just stick and you know that you're going in the right direction. So I wanted to share a situation that I had when I was really getting to the point where I wanted to transition out to the schools into something else. And essentially what I had to do was go one direction and I kind of hit a wall and then I had to go into another direction and then I had an opportunity to go back in another direction. It'll make sense in a minute. But the whole idea is that when you're doing these mini experiments, you can kind of figure out the answers to those questions. Is this a hell no? Is it a hell yes? Is it a not now? Because when you have a lot of ideas and possibilities about things that you can do and you're trying to just figure out what the next path is, 
sometimes you have to say no to certain things and yes to others. So this was the opportunity that I had to to do that. So so obviously the whole time I was in the schools, I knew that I wanted to be getting really good at that position and serving that caseload, but also be setting myself up for the next step in my career, even though I wasn't 100% sure what that was going to be. So I started working on my doctorate in special ed because I wanted to open up the possibility of a position in higher education. But once I got into that program, I had some courses that were in both the special education doctoral program and the director of special ed program. And I actually really enjoyed them and got interested in school administration because some of the projects overlapped with those type of responsibilities and projects. And so that in itself was the the whole process of going through those courses allowed me to explore some different things and uncover some additional things that I was interested in. Because I remember when I first was talking to the graduate advisor in the special ed doctoral program, she was saying, you know, you you really, instead of considering another master's in special ed, which was what I was thinking of doing first, she said, you know, you already have your master's. Why don't you consider your doctorate? And immediately I knew that I wanted to do that because that was something that I had been considering for a long time already. But she said, you can also do this director of special ed program. And at the time I was like, nah. But then once I actually got into the program, I got interested. So I decided to do both at the same time. So that meant that I had another option on my plate, which was a career in school administration, which meant that I could do some type of a you know, coordinator, curriculum director, um, special ed coordinator, or special ed director would be the ultimate goal of getting that credential. So the way that it worked out, I actually finished the requirements for the special ed director credential sooner than the doctoral program because that program was shorter. And because I had this this period of time where I was just really getting into the special ed admin projects in my courses, I just really had my heart set on that idea of, of being a special ed director. I was really interested in it because I was really loving the work that I was doing. And so special ed director became my new dream job. So once I finished that credential, I was still completing some of the other requirements for my doctoral program. I still had to finish my dissertation so that I could graduate and get the doctorate, but I could start applying for special ed administrative positions. So I started looking for coordinator positions in my area, and I had a couple of interviews, and I did not get any offers, but one of them, the administrator, the, the special ed director, was somebody that I had known from my from my doctoral program, and she said, you know, we you weren't the candidate we picked. We picked somebody who had experience in a bigger district, but we were still really interested in you. Um, definitely think about applying again in the future. So that was in the spring. You know, I kind of moved on. And by the time fall came around, I had to start thinking about my dissertation proposal. So I considered that spring to really be the experimentation period where I was exploring special ed administration and nothing stuck at the time. 
You know, there were, I had to learn a little bit more about how to do well in interviews and sell myself and really learn the ropes there. So I had some learning I had to do. And since nothing stuck, the window had passed for the year to find those positions, I moved on to another experiment, which was my dissertation. So obviously, this was something that was required for my doctoral program, but it allowed me to do a ton of experiments all in one that were multifunctional. And I point this out because I hear so many ridiculous things that people say where they're like, oh, you know, school doesn't teach you any functional skills. I will tell you, when you go to college, whether or not college teaches you functional skills can be up to you. You can make it a very functional, useful, productive experience if you play your cards right and if you're strategic about the way you plan your time and your projects. So when I thought about the study that I wanted to do for my dissertation, I wanted it to give me a lot of experience that could benefit me across multiple roles. Obviously, the overall experience of doing research would benefit me if I did go into a higher ed position, but also there were a lot of things that I did that would have benefited me in a leadership or supervisor position. So for example, I was doing an intervention study, so I had to train teachers in a specific classroom-based intervention that I designed. So I had to train teachers, I had to develop an intervention, I also had to design an evaluation and a data collection protocol, things that would be useful if I were thinking about curriculum or some type of program evaluation position. I also had to supervise graduate clinicians because they assisted me with my data collection. So there was supervision experience. I had to do a ton of research analysis and writing, which could be beneficial for a higher ed position. The writing and the research also benefits me as a self-employed person. If I wanted to have some other type of position as an editor or, or even a journalist, sometimes People go in and, and do journalism work freelance with their clinical skills. Um, I also had to coordinate a team of busy people. I had to manage resources and funding. So there were, there were a ton of mini experiments and experiences wrapped up into this one project. This was going to be a big deal for me. Obviously, getting the doctorate was a bucket list goal. I had it all set up. This was... I had interviewed for the administrative positions in the spring, and this was in the fall sometime when I was actually doing my proposal, when I had talked to the teachers, I had started getting approval from my district and, you know, coordinating the, all of my resources and my processes, and I had it all set up. There was really a lot of logistics to this project. And then I got a call from the special ed director that I had interviewed with earlier in the year. And, and so basically she said the candidate we selected for that coordinator position didn't work out and the position is open again. And we were really impressed with you. We were wondering if you'd like to come back for an interview. So basically the experiment that I had done in the spring that hadn't quite worked out, hadn't quite stuck, had come back around. And I had a big decision to make because I had already started this other process of getting my dissertation study all set up. And it's relevant to share that when I had finished my comps, which was the last project that I had to do before my dissertation, my dissertation committee chair sat me down and said, congratulations, you are in the final stretch. But just so you know, 
people in this program have a 60% completion rate beyond this point, meaning that 40% of people who finish all their coursework, all their comps, which which is a very lengthy process. For me, it was about a six-year process. Some people can finish it in four or five years, but but anyways, it, it's a lot of work. And at that point in time, 40% of the people in the program who went through, finished all of their stuff up to that point, did not graduate, meaning that they were ABD all but dissertation. So that to me sounded crazy, but as I really got into my dissertation work, I totally understood why that happens. And the thing is, is that it's a huge project. It requires a lot of planning. There's not a lot of structure. You have to create that structure yourself. And so a lot of people end up not finishing. And so they do all this work and then they don't actually have their doctorate. I did not want to be one of those people. And this was something that was really important to me. So at this point, when I got this chance to go interview for this position that wasn't my dream position yet, because I did want to be a director, this was a coordinator position, but it was a step in the right direction because a lot of people will move into a coordinator position before getting a director position. And that had been my dream job. It was something that I really wanted. But through this experimentation process, I had to kind of go one direction, see if it worked, and then I had to start going another direction. And sometimes when you commit to going one way and you know that something is important to you, you have to commit and go with it. And at this point, I was at a crossroads. I thought that I was probably, you know, like most people would think you're crazy to turn down that interview, especially because I had really had my heart set on doing administration but I had to look back at what I really wanted for myself in the long term. I knew I loved doing research and my dissertation study was a project I'd been envisioning for years. It really meant something to me and taking the position, if, if the interview did go well, would have made my dissertation a logistical nightmare and it may have prevented me from ever finishing. And I did not want to be in that 40%. I still wanted higher ed to be an option on the table. I wanted this study to happen. Getting the doctorate was a bucket list goal. So I had to make a decision. And really, this whole idea of self-experimentation and micro-experiments and just really being clear on what I wanted, but also being open to the idea that sometimes when you go in one direction, it can change. You can go in one direction. It doesn't work yet. And then you go another direction and you realize that one of the things that you wanted might not be what you want right now. And so this was a really key period in my career exploration process because there are many times when you might have multiple options on the table that might seem appealing to you, but you have to be clear on what you want in the long term as you're going through this process. It's really about reflecting and reevaluating because that is so important when you're doing any type of experimentation. So this is one example of how this played out for my specific experience. Um, many times I would do an experiment and it would be just kind of like, okay, that project was fun. I can put that on my list of things on my resume. But other times the decision was a little bit harder, such as this one. Now, you definitely don't have to do a dissertation or job interviews in order to do self-experimentation and micro-experiments. Those are two good options, 
but there are lots of other ways you can do it. There's adjunct assignments, there's shadowing, there's all different kinds of committees you can volunteer for. There are services that you can offer on the side, freelance. There are so many different ways that you can experiment with ways of providing services and using your clinical skills. You can even use your skills for things that aren't clinical. The point is, is that when you decide what experiments you want to do, which ones you want to stick with, which ones you want to go all in on, which ones you want to maybe just say, maybe later, but not now, it has to start with you. And you have to think about your habits, your tendencies, the way you like to work, the way that you work most successfully, and the mission that you want to accomplish. How do you want to serve? Those are the things that can help give you ideas for what experiments might be right for you. We still want to look at them with a mindset of openness because you never know what is and isn't going to work. You never know what you will and won't like, but it starts with you. The ideas for what things you want to go with definitely start with your skills, your talents, your preferences, as well as the skills that you don't have yet that you want to build because some kind of mission or passion is important to you. If you want to start planning out your own mini career micro experiments, then definitely check out the Clinical Leadership Roundtable. The Clinical Leadership Roundtable is a three-stage process designed to help you create a customized career path aligned with your strengths and the way that you want to be of service to your field and your community. So if you've ever felt limited by your career options as a clinician, if you think a career pivot might be in your future, or you're not really sure if you want to stay where you are, maybe you like what you're doing, but you think there might be more out there for you and you want to start exploring your options, then definitely check out the Clinical Leadership Roundtable if any of these things apply to you, especially if you feel a little bit constrained by the traditional career path, if you want to see how you can use your services creatively and start brainstorming some ideas based on the way that you like to work, the way that you want to serve, and the mission that is important to you. So to sign up for the Clinical Leadership Roundtable, just go to drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash leadership roundtable. Again, that's drkarendudekbrandon.com backslash leadership roundtable. As always, if you found this information helpful, definitely share it with your colleagues. And if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode.
Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.